Welcome to Once and Future Authors, Changing Lives One Book at a Time. I'm Stephanie Larkin, an author, independent publisher, and book coach. And each week we will be discussing processes and strategies to get your book finished and published and meet authors and publishing experts to tap into their experiences and expertise. There is one book out there that can change your life, and that is the book you write. So welcome aboard. This podcast is produced by Red Penguin Books, an independent publishing company working with authors of all genres. Whether you have a manuscript all ready to go, a book still stuck in your head, or perhaps even hundreds of handwritten sheets of loose leaf shoved in a drawer, visit redpenguinbooks.com and unleash your inner author. Welcome to the show. I'm Stephanie, and I am so delighted to be joined today by author Marguerite Maitland, the author of Runaway at Sea. Oh, there'll be plenty more to follow this, but Marguerite, thank you for taking the time out from writing to join us. Oh, well, thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's great to be here. Thank you. I am thrilled to have you here, and, and, and what a book it is. I mean, it's... Yes. <laughs> you, when, you first, when we first spoke, you told me it was about, you know, uh, it was for middle grade readers, but honestly, it's a, it's an adventure story. I love adventure stories. Yeah, I'm right yeah. I'm, I'm actually having a lot of people read it that who are grown-ups, and I'm getting great feedback, teachers, curriculum directors, uh, just regular people, and uh, getting a lot of really good feedback from adult readers, so I'm happy to, I'm happy about that. Well, not for nothing, Harry Potter was for middle grade fiction. <laughs> right, also. I know, right? That. I loved Harry Potter. Yes. Absolutely. Yes, yes. So this is fabulous for readers of all ages, mm -hmm. and if you want to feel a little young at heart. Absolutely. That's terrific. But what really tickled me is your inspiration behind mm -hmm. this story. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And I see some some fun things. Right, we here have some too. artifacts that I yeah. that I brought. Who is this with handsome me. man? So that is Robert John Henry Frost, not Robert Frost the poet, but a <laughs> completely different family. Uh, that is my great great grandfather. So my grandfather's grandfather. Great that, great grandfather. Right. So that picture is about 1907, taken about seven years before he died. He does look a little like Santa Claus there. Yeah. But um, so he is the subject of my book. As a young man at age 20, he ran away from home because his father was, I mean, his, uh, sorry, oldest brother was abusing him and he had had quite enough of that. So he and his buddy just ran through the woods, stowed away on what they thought was a cargo ship um, in 1849 when he was 12. It turned out to be a British naval vessel. So. <laughs> Like a plan without a plan, right, and right, uh, right. so he got stuck, uh, uh, pressed into service, disciplined, the fear of God put in them to ever desert the he ship. He was 12? He was 12. It literally shimmied along the anchor chain, slid in through the hauser hole, uh, and um, they you know, snuck around the ship and they found a lifeboat, and then about the second day out at sea they were found. So the inspiration really came before my grandfather died, who I was very close with growing up. He gave me um, that wooden shoe, which was Robert's. So Robert's. So this is. This is Robert's shoe, and okay. it's been passed. It's been passed down from him to his daughter, my he great had grandmother. Small feet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tiny, 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 tiny feet. My yeah. gosh. Yeah. So that was his treasured trinket, which was actually given to him by his older brother. So that's the abusive why, one or a different no, one? No, a different one. He a had, different. He had a big family. He's twelve kids. So he was number eight of 12. Okay. And um, so my grandfather got it from his mother, and then he passed it to me along with the journal that um, my great-grandmother, so the journal is written in her voice. Is this the so journal that's the, here? So that's the beaten up 
wow. uh, journal right there. So that's written in her voice, retelling the stories that Robert told her as she was growing up. So uh, that's why my introduction is actually her words, Anna's words, uh, my great-grandmother. And so that's the story is based on. So um, oh, it, and it, a treasure. when I first received the journal, I put the shoe on my place of honor, on my vanity, where treasure trinkets go. And yes, I put yes. the story in the filing cabinet. <laughs> and there it sat for a few years. A few years, few years absolutely. That's what I, happens yeah. to these treasured uh, mm -hmm. manuscripts. Yeah, so once I pulled it out, actually right when my grandmother passed away, um, two years after my grandfather passed away, so I, I was writing her eulogy, and I remembered that I had this story, so I pulled it out and I actually read it. And when I actually read it, that's when I said, wow, this, is, this has to be told. This 12-year-old this kid, um, courage and perseverance. I love your honesty, and, by the way, yeah. that you were handed this treasure, you know, right. this manuscript, and you didn't actually read it. I didn't actually <laughs> I love, read I it. I love that. Sorry, Grandma, but I love <laughs> the honesty. That's right. wonderful. I love it. Drawer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I love the shoe. The shoe, you know, I was always was in a place in of a honor. Drawer. And that was in a drawer. Wow. So I don't think when my grandfather gave that to me, um, because he really was just trying to pass along some family heritage that he really realized the inheritance that he was giving me. So the inheritance is the experience of building the writing skill, of the research, all the people I've met along the way, oh and gosh. certainly since um, just the people I've met since since the launch, you know, or even before since right, right. since the fall. It's it's really been it's really been incredible. So all of this became this or well this is book one so okay. all of this is three books so this is book one wow and book two is in the works is about a little more than halfway done um, and book three will finish his journey and bring him into America. So, wow, and yeah. full disclosure, if we have his picture when he's an old man, he does make it. He to does the make end. it. So, <laughs> no spoiler alert, but he does make it. He does, he make, does it. make it. And wow. I'm so, very grateful that any of the adventures, even in the first book, some of the things he went through crossing, um, going around the horn. Um, lost in a jungle, all the things that happened to him in book one, which are actually real, they did happen to him, if anything had gone wrong. Um, he, he wouldn't be in that picture. And and I wouldn't be here. So, yeah. So that's a little wild? funky. That's a little funky, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. while, you're, while you're writing, and obviously if, if this turns into, well, this is only one third of it. Right. Um, you're quite the writer. Yeah. <laughs> that's fabulous. Yeah. That's, yeah. There's, a lot of, there's a lot of writing and, like you said, research. Yes. Tons and tons of research. Tell us a little bit about research. So um, when I first started writing, I just really used my imagination. I just read the story and I imagined what it would have been seeing the world through this in the mid 1800s through the eyes of these this 12 year old boy. Since I'm not and never have been a 12 year old boy, it was a little bit of a of a stretch as far as imagination was concerned. And then I had some friends read it, the first few chapters that I wrote, and they really liked it. They liked the writing. But one of them was a boat person who told me, nah, this is not how this would be done. Oh. And so that's what made me realize that you can't just necessarily, if you want it to be accurate, and I was writing it really for an audience of age 10 and up. Okay. So if I'm writing something historical, I really want it to be as accurate as I can because I don't want to be one of those people with made-up history. So if I'm using real history, I just feel it makes it more authentic. Gotcha. So that's when I started delving in. And I would say two of the big highlights would be a librarian I found in Hessel, England, 
who I had in England. In England. How did so you find a librarian just by, in England? By email, by, by, by Googling, by you know finding the website and looking for pictures of the village that he came from okay. so that I could accurately describe when he's running down the street and all of this. Um, uh, so it, it would be accurate, the descriptions in the so, book. So you just Googled the village in England and somehow found the library in the village. Correct. And found a librarian and, and this librarian was helpful? Oh, com unbelievable. She she not only was helpful, but she loved my project and, um, and we never spoke. We was all by email or hand letter. So she looked up my family because I told you what I was trying to do. I gave her the name of the family. They had owned a brick making and construction business right through World War II. It was still owned by the, by the Frost family. And um, so she found them in the records. She drew me a family tree and wrote maybe um, 10, hand pa 10 pages of handwritten history about my family. So it was really incredible. Really. Oh. And she did this all on her own time just because she was fascinated by the project that I was working on. And it was really an incredible resource because I found out just more detail about the characters. And um, sometimes when you're doing character sketches and character development in the books, not everything ends up on the page, but as a writer, it's in your head. So right, it comes right. through in the narrative. I am so glad mm -hmm. that you are shouting out librarians. Yes. Because I personally Love think librarians, librarians yes. are the smartest people on the face of the planet. And so helpful. I, I've met so many mm -hmm. writers who have been touting how a librarian found so many treasures and they were able to pull pieces together and things so a big thank you to librarians big everywhere. thank you to librarians everywhere. absolutely and, and certainly i would shout out to my own library um, in north belmore because my second research story would be i reached out to the director of Na u.s naval history oh wow to request a phone interview because i wanted somebody with expertise in naval command structure and um, pr process and procedure to answer some detailed questions for me. So I had reached out to his office. His secretary called me within two weeks of my letter that I sent an actual letter. An actual letter? <laughs> an actual this. letter to his office and his secretary called me and she said, give me the list of questions. So I gave her, I said, I'm just going to go for broke. I, I'm going to just write every little thing that I have a question about. And he did answer some questions, but this was my give a man a fish or teach a man to fish moment yes. because he also gave me a two-page bibliography of fiction and nonfiction books from that time period. Oh, wow. To reference, which then I spent all this time drawing little anatomy of a sail and I have composition books filled with <gasps> notes on how wow. to tack a ship how to wear a ship, a box hauling, all of these things I've never sailed. So, But so you could now. I could, I could walk you through it. I don't know. I have to get in a sailboat and see how much I can remember about the process of the ropes and the pulleys and the braces and all of those things. But he was incredible. And so I took that bibliography to my local library and I said, help me find these books. And so for you know, every time I had a new book, it was one copy in Kentucky, one copy in Nevada, one copy at the University of New Mexico or wherever wow. it was. And she was going out to all these libraries all over the country to find me these reference books. So very helpful. Oh, thank you. Amazing. Thank you, librarians. So big shout out to yes, librarians. Yes, yes, shout yes, out to librarians. Yes. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. But think of how smart you are now. You could be like a naval officer. Well, maybe. <laughs> maybe. I could write a story about a naval officer, maybe, but I don't know about being one. So, But I'm so glad you're talking about research because I think a lot of 
you know, wannabe writers mm -hmm. might think, oh, I could just make stuff up. And I love that instead of, you know, you came to realize maybe through your friends who were beta readers, et cetera, and so forth, that no, let's, let's mm -hmm. make this authentic. Let's do the research and find out when he was running away from his village, what did the, the road look like? What did the path look yes. like? How long of a run was it to get to the docks or whatever it might mm -hmm. be? How do you operate a ship? Do the ropes hurt your hands? Whatever it might be. Right, right. You actually found that out. Yes, I That's did. I found amazing. out all of those things. And I read a ton, a ton of books, fiction, nonfiction. Um, certainly Moby Dick and White Jacket were very helpful. And also in Google Docs, there are um, sh actual shipped, ship's captain's logs from that time period really? all in Google Docs. So you can look up the actual logs of these captains. So I read a bunch of those just to get a feel for just the, the atmosphere on the ship. And you know, some, well, that's a great idea. Yeah, so some captains were very, very strict and very into corporal punishment in the mid-1800s, and some were middle of the road, and some didn't do it at all. <laughs> so it really was. So what I came up with was really a composite of right, that. Right. So, so um, and similarly, crossing the equator back in the 1800s was a big deal that was a big party. It was a whole ceremony. Really? They still do something today um, in the Navy about that, but of course it's been softened quite a bit. Of course. But you go from a polywog to a shellback when you cross the equator. Really? So if you've never crossed the equator by sea, you are a polywog. And then when you cross the equator by sea, you become a shellback. So, so I know this now. And so um, what ended up in the book is a composite of all the research that I did right, on those right. ceremonies. So it's, yeah. This is fabulous. So the research was for the facts, you know, so that mm -hmm. your, your scenes would be accurate, so the, the boat movements or things like that would be accurate, mm -hmm. but also the research because you got to read the words, maybe not of his captain, but of so many other captains that you were reading the, the journals of people in that era it helped you in character development. Yes, absolutely. And setting and world building, because I had to um, build a world um, around maybe a sentence or a character around half a paragraph. So I really had to take some literary license in building that, and I wanted to make sure that these characters were accurate to who would have been or how they would have behaved in that time period. So. So I wanted to know if a 10-year-old was going to read this book that they were getting some accurate information That's and it amazing. wasn't just made up from my head. So that was important to me. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. Do you ever think about your great-great-grandfather reading this book? I, I, I think he would be really proud. I know my grandparents would be really proud of it. They, oh, they, I'm, sure. I'm very happy and proud of what I put together. So I'm, I'm happy that it's out there. I'm happy it's my first orf offering as a writer to the literary world. But I think my grandparents would be really proud I'm of it. I'm sure your grandparents so. would be beyond proud. I know my and mother is. So, so oh. I'm going by, <laughs> going by my mom as my cheerleader. Yeah, and, so. and your great-great-grandfather. I mean, I, can you imagine somewhere in this world he's sitting there reading the same Yes, yes, that's what happened. <laughs> I remember that. I remember that guy. Right, right. Yeah, it would be it would be incredible because all the big things that happen in the book are actually the true events. Yeah. So the things that bring him through those true events, there's some literary license there, but the big things did actually happen. So, so tell me a little bit about, you know, this I guess would be historical, right? Fiction. Correct. Okay. So tell me about that just to to enlighten our viewers where the fiction comes in with the historical. Well, just as we've been talking about with the research, so it is based on a real story. Right. Um, but because I, I didn't have a lot of information about the cast of characters that he ran across right. throughout his journal, 
Um, it, I had to really create characters, as I said, over, you know, so that's what right. makes it fiction. Or, or you so know, depending if they, you know, had a little event on the boat or something, you, I mean, this is only 20 pages long yeah. or so. It certainly can't have every little time there was a storm swell and somebody fell overboard and, mm -hmm. you know, maybe some of that's in there, but not every single thing. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. So because of the world building in order to, um, give people the real feel of what it was would have been like in the age of sail to be on one of these ships and right. everything is told through Robert's point of view. So he's 12, he's learning how to scrub a deck, he's learning how to you know do all his knots, he's learning you know some navigational techniques because really he didn't know how to read and he didn't know how to swim. Oh my god. So he's traveling all over the world having these adventures and, and he didn't learn to read until after he had his second child when he was in America. He was well into his 30s before he actually learned to read in real life. So here he is witnessing some of the training that other people may have gone through and you know looking at charts and really not being able to know where he is. I mean he's from this little village in England. He really had no idea how vast the world was. And so this whole experience opened his eyes to that. And so that was another thing that I, I like about writing from his point of view is that when you read it, you're learning as he's learning. You're seeing the first time a whale breaches, the first time he sees a shark, the first time he sees a tropical fish, the first time he goes through a storm in the Northern Atlantic Sea, which is pretty, pretty scary stuff. Uh, you can get, you know, 20 foot, 80 foot, 100 he foot was whale. How old? Waves. He was 12. 12. When he started, he was 12. Right. So now, when this book ends, he is? He's, uh, you know, I as far as time passage, it's a little arbitrary. Yeah. So the, the next book is kind of jumping ahead a little right. bit. So yes. he, in the next book, he's, in the sh he's on the ship for a bit of time. Right. And that's evident in the first chapter. Right. You'd be able to read that and see that he's been on the ship for a while and he's in with that crew mm -hmm. and he's a bit older. Right. But so here he stays, he stays, he stays you know, 12, 13, uh, 12, 13 in right. there. Next book, he's more 15, 16, right. heading really, you know, on the back end of puberty, on the, on right, the upswing right. into manhood. So yeah, so he's certainly taller. He's got facial hair. You know, there's there's some other characteristics about him in book two that we don't see in book one because he's, he's younger. And that's going to be a challenge for you as a writer. Yes. You know, to, to write from a 12-year-old's point of view and to write from a 15-year-old's point of view mm -hmm. is a very different point of view. Yes, yes. And that's where critique groups come in really handy because when you're and working, having a son and having a son yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know like I do have a son yeah <laughs> and I have watched him grow so that is that is a personal reference absolutely you do I mean even though it's a historical piece and it's set in the 1800s you can use some of that because biology is biology so well yes yeah. and mm -hmm. and and your personal influence I mean if you had nothing but daughters um, you wouldn't know the difference between a 12 year old boy and a 15 year old boy yes but, but yes, I definitely do. I definitely do. And although it's different now in the digital age than it would have been in the age of sale, well, but still. I think so. Yes. I mean, goodness. Can you imagine our kids living through this? Do you oh. think that your kids could do this at 12? I, I, only in a zombie apocalypse. Like if, <laughs> I, I, I think in, in, given that, they would, they would find the, the strength within themselves to survive. But, um, but just as in a run-of-the-mill every day, no. I mean, I, I, it's tough. He went through, Robert went through a lot of tough tough times so yeah I think that we as a society we're soft a little bit yeah <laughs> a little bit a little bit used to some some really great conveniences so, yeah so they didn't have those back then you know if the Wi-Fi is slow we get all yeah. <laughs> 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 but I mean 
mean, they whittled the time away. They 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 had parties. They had grog. Certainly, they carved. Um, you know, they carved things. They made things. They sang songs. They did lots of things like that. They sat around and told stories. Some of them tall tales. You know, none right, of them right. all from you know, m myth and folklore or whatever it may be, but they found a way to entertain themselves. Right. But on a naval vessel, it was busy. It was busy. So it was uh, not much time to, to lollygag around, so to speak, yeah. to use a term from that, from that time. <laughs> so now that you're one book in, what is yeah. the most surprising thing about writing a book? I think just um, feeling confident in the skill. Now. Ah, you thought you were going to be much less confident about this? Yeah, like I think when you put something out to the universe, you have to be prepared that some people are not going to like it. Well, that's true. And um, being in a critique group really trains you for that because you definitely bring pieces to, to read and you think everything's great and then all of a sudden on paragraph three, there's 10,000 pronouns on page three and you're wondering who put them there? You know, <laughs> so, um, so critique group is valuable in building the skill, but it's also valuable in thickening your skin a little yeah, bit because yeah, you have yeah. to have a thick skin. But I've been really buoyed and, and um, my confidence has been built by the feedback I'm getting on the book. That's great. So, so that's really helped a lot. And what's the most surprising thing about, I guess, the late 1800s or so that you learned? Um, I, I just think I, I would have to stay specific to Robert's courage and his perseverance to keep going. Um, because he had, he did have opportunities along this journey, and not necessarily in book one, but along the whole journey, to to run home. He did have opportunities to run back home, and he did not. He he kept on the quest, and he wanted to, you know, have a free life, and he did not want to just go back to the same old thing. Mm -hmm. So I think just discovering that courage and thinking about my grandfather and what he tried to instill in me when, when he, when, uh, you know, and my relationship with him growing up as a, as a young right. lady and as an adolescent. And I just think that that strength carried through. That's so it's, it's kind of a personal answer, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, that's a, that's a great answer because I think in writing, whatever we're writing, whether you're writing memoir or historical fiction, mm -hmm. I think we find ourselves. And to, to hear that you found you know, courage and strength of character. Yeah, this, I think yeah, is yeah, and and I like that I can say I'm I'm a published author, and I can say I'm a writer, and I feel like I'm a writer. So, and that's largely because of all the feedback. You look that like I've got. a writer. I look like a writer. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, yeah, and it's and and the great thing about writing is you know you can do it anywhere, and and you're always thinking about writing, even if you're not actually writing. Are you really? Like yes. we're having this conversation right I'm, now. Are you thinking? I'm about thinking. Writing? I'm thinking about it. Yeah, because <laughs> later today I'm going to be working on book two. All so. right. Good, good to hear. Good yeah. To hear. So I can sit outside. I can go to the beach. I mean, I have multiple notebooks. Sometimes I just I just make notes about things in my head, because if you go to the beach and and you want to, you know, just sit out and get some fresh air. You don't. You can't bring the papers with you, and you can't bring the laptop necessarily with you. So, so I just do it old-fashioned, old-fashioned, old-fashioned with a pen and a notebook. Yes, sometimes. Wow. Well, you know, you're writing an old book. So I, I am writing an old book. Yeah. So I guess old-fashioned works for an old book. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. If you're writing in the future, then you can't do that. No. No. But the research can get research gets challenging if you're writing a futuristic fantasy well, type of sci-fi. Um, that's a whole different... Yes, but look at how many of them must have done great research because it all came true. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. So I know you have two more books to go because this is a trilogy. Right. But do you ever envision writing something that's not 
um, historical fiction? Uh, sure, really? sure. I have aspirations to write a romance. When I was Ooh. an adolescent, I um, I did a ton of reading from from Jane Austen and Black Beauty and Gone with the Wind is my favorite book of all time. Anna Karenina is my second favorite. It took her 10 years to write Gone and it with took, the Wind. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine why. And if you've read Gone with, with the Wind, you would see why it took so long for her to get that together. Um, but I also read a lot of Daniel Steele. <laughs> Stephen King. It doesn't take her 10 years yeah, to write that. Yeah, it doesn't that. take her 10 years. So, so I love uh, the romance genre, and I would love to try my hand at it. So, okay. so that's an aspiration. And also, my father has some crazy World War II stories. Really? So, history, but not as far back as the 1800s. So this would be um, during the, the uh, Philippines invasion. So he's got a pretty crazy story, um, a personal story that's so... Oh, wow. Yeah, so I could fictionalize that and kind of use some of his experiences there. So, you know, I'm thinking there's there's a lot of things churning around in my head about possibilities down the road. But I don't want to stop writing. When I'm done with these three, I want to keep going. There's Definitely. more. There's yeah. more. Mm -hmm. Do people now that they know, like, oh! <gasps> Marguerite, I have a great story. You should write this. Do, do people like? Sometimes, sometimes they do that, and and um, you know it's it's all good. I I have also learned in self reflection and growth and and just becoming educated in the writing skill that you have to be open to just about everything that people suggest because you just never know where a story is going to come from. Right, right. You know, like I would use research when I got blocked, and that's how some inspiration and that's how I got unblocked is just researching, just. Googling and sometimes you fall down a rabbit hole, but then you surprise yourself because you end up getting an idea for character development or a part of your setting or some event that happens that brings him from one true thing to the next, but there's like an in-between thing. Right, so right. you need like a device to move from one scene to the other. And, and research was very helpful for me, at least, um, getting through those but going down a rabbit times. hole, do you ever find yourself on Google and you're just like... Uh, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. And it's one of the reasons why I haven't done Ancestry.com yet. One of my reasons for not doing that is because I know, because oh. I know from what the librarian gave me, I know from my own mother who does some family tree stuff, so she has a lot of knowledge about our family tree, that I'm going to fall down that rabbit hole. So I'm resisting, yeah. resisting that for right now. I'm almost but, surprised yeah. you haven't done Ancestry just because you have, I mean, I guess you know mm -hmm. what your lineage is. So you yeah, yeah, but I also, like, I if I'm going to spend time on research, I want it to be more directly related to getting some stuff on the paper, you know. So. Right, right, yes. Mm -hmm. But but there are so many rabbit holes you can go down. Oh, yes, yes, you can definitely in, in internet searches. And you have to be careful of your source, too, because mm. I don't want to base research on somebody's blog, not because blogging is bad. I mean, I've done some blogging myself, but um, I, I don't know what kind of research that person did. So I always right. want to make sure it's a .org or it's a .gov. You want to make sure that it's or it's or something. Or some, they have a bibliography or there's Something like that, yeah. And, and sometimes looking at the sources of websites um, are also a really good someplace else to go. Oh, good So point. when you look at footnotes of websites, it gives you other websites, and, and that's another way. But that's also a way to fall in the rabbit hole. So. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a give and take. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, how about a tip for our future authors out there? I'm sure we have plenty who are thinking, oh, I have a family story. Mm -hmm. I heard about my grandma or something. Uh, What's a good way of starting I would just I would just say start, start, get a notebook, get a pen, and just start getting it from your head onto the paper. Don't worry about the order. Don't worry about what it's correct. Don't worry um, about it being perfect. It's never going to be perfect. It's never going to be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> just remove that from your from your mind entirely. Right. Um, but just start the process 
And then once you get some things down on paper, then you can start being a little bit more formalized about right, right. order of events and development and character yes, sketching. yes, it's that first and, hump. Yeah. People will say, oh, I heard about my grandparents eloped. I want to write it down. But mm -hmm. they never do. Yeah, yeah. And you don't have to write in chronological order either. I mean, doing a linear thing for me worked because of the way the journal was laid out. Right. Because that was my primary source. But there's, you can write something that's the end. You can write your end first and then build into Absolutely. that. You can write your middle. I mean, always a, we have to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. We do have to have that, whether it's a chapter But it doesn't or, have to pour out of you in exactly, order. Exactly. Exactly. It doesn't have to come out in order. It doesn't have to be perfect. And, um, and just, just grab that pen and, and paper and just start, well, just start getting it out of your head. You're a huge inspiration, I'm sure, to many, many prospective authors out there. And if you're looking for a fabulous um, adventure story for you or for maybe a young person in your life, Runaway at Sea by Marguerite Maitland, and there's plenty more to come, so right. she'll be back. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for joining us for Once and Future Authors. If you've enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Reviews help other interested listeners to find the show, so your review could launch new books every day. Thanks again for joining us, and happy writing!